Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, information, and analysis. Welcome to the podcast. I'm David Stewart, Editor-in-Chief of Tax Notes Today International. This week, knowledge transfer. This episode, we're doing something a little different. Rather than focus on an area of tax, we're talking about professional development. I sat down with the author of the book, Brass Tax, 14 Actionable Insights to Power Your Success. We talked about the role the practitioners have in mentoring and developing the next generation of tax professionals. Joining me in the studio is Jared Duncan. He is the head of tax at a Washington, D.C.-based publicly traded multinational. Jared, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, David. Now, I understand you've given a lot of thought to the idea of mentoring in the field of tax. Can you tell me what is the importance of mentoring both from the perspective of a manager and as a new tax practitioner? So on a basic level, you know, you graduate law school, you graduate college, you enter the, the workforce, and you have this question of like, what do you do? And they, they tell this great story about John F. Kennedy when he became the, the 35th president. He, he walks into the Oval Office, and he looks at his chief of staff, and he says, now what? Like, what do we do? Then the phone rings, he picks it up, and he never asks that question again. So it's the same thing when you leave school and you enter into the workforce. There's this moment of like, now what? What do I do? And there's the what I do on the technical side and then the, the personal side. So to have that mentor that could pull you aside and coach you on the technical skills you need is essential. But more importantly, you need the personal and professional development that you just don't get in school. And if someone will take that personal interest in you and care about you and pull you aside and, and give you that coaching, it is a, a really a game changer. And in, in my view, the way that you attract and retain great talent. So it's basically a continuation of your education after you've gotten out of the formal parts of it. Yeah, correct. There's this tension. I've mentored a lot of folks that have just left the school setting. And when you're in the school years of development, it's very much about the I, the individual. But then when you get to the workplace, it's about the organization. There's this tension that you feel is what's more important, my own personal needs or the organization's needs. And the role of a great mentor is to help find that balance to show you that both are equally important. And by what you're doing on a contribution side, what you're learning and what you're doing is actually helping you on a personal side as well. And that constant mentoring all the time, checking in to show you that what you're doing is actually beneficial for you as well. In fact, there was some interesting research that showed the best way to keep millennials is to constantly show them that what they're doing is making them more marketable. Now, that's interesting because you would think if I show somebody what they're doing will make them more marketable, they're more likely to leave. But it's actually the opposite. They're more likely to stay. In Mm. fact, I was talking to to someone who just recently retired, and I said, you know, what's your view on mentoring and and hiring great people? And he said, why the hell would I hire great people? They're just going to leave me after a couple years. And I said, (laughs) no, you have it completely wrong. You should be hiring the great people and then finding ways to keep them by showing them what they're doing is actually making them better, showing them that there's plenty of runway. And at some point, there will be no more runway, and you should want them to leave. I once had a great mentor who I had this great opportunity to take a a bigger job, and it it personally hurt him because I was leaving him, but he told me to do it. He said, "I, I can't offer you this experience, you should absolutely do it. All right, so let's take a step back and let's talk about, because I know at least to me, getting into the tax profession is not a straight line. So how is it that you ended up working in tax? Yeah, so in law school, I had a great professor. Her name was Elizabeth Corvette. And she said, you know, you, you would be really good at tax. And I dismissed that. And I took the typical route that most law students do and joined a, a big law firm. After doing that for a bit, I remembered her prophetic words and went back and pivoted and changed my career to focus on corporate tax. All right. So would you say that she was one of your early mentors in this area? Yeah, it was the first time that a professor stopped and really cared to take the interest in my life and what um, unique contributions I could offer. So yeah, it was the first time that someone really just cared on a personal level. All right. So now you ended up in tax. And what would you say were your mentors getting through in your early years? 
So I've always looked for that mentor where I could sit at their feet and just learn and grow. And, you know, I think there's no better place of personal and professional development than the workplace. And to have that great mentor who can guide you is so key. And I've been fortunate to have three or four great mentors. My first great mentor was a gentleman by the name of Nelson Crouch at Ernst & Young's National Tax Practice. He is the type of person that cares deeply about his people and, and takes the time to, to coach and give radical, transparent, and hard feedback, which I find many people just don't want to do because it's uncomfortable. So now from the people that you've had as mentors, so concrete feedback would be one thing. What other sort of lessons did you learn from the people who helped you through? Oftentimes with mentors, it's not the one-on-one direct development. It's just being in their presence and, and watching how they interact. A few years ago, I had a boss named Todd Davis at Discovery Communications. Todd is just a fantastic tax executive or executive. He would bring me into meetings so I could just watch how he would interact with executives. So to this day, I, I still tell myself at least once a week, what would Todd do in this situation? And that guides me because I, I'm so aligned with his thinking and his behavior that I've been able to incorporate that into my own style. Now, did you have, have any experience with, let's say, uh, mentor relationships that, that didn't go well, where you learned the lessons of what not to do? Yeah. So we often have managers that are not great. And that's not actually a good thing because you can learn what not to do. Like you said, in corporate tax, you have to wear a lot of hats. So the, the four main hats you have to wear is you have to manage a team. You have to get the tax reporting right, the provision and the compliance. Then you got to make sure you have a seat at the table, that people look to you to add value on transaction and on planning. And then lastly, if you can wear the, what I call the quirky hat, where tax is bringing value that no one would expect to so I've had early in my career managers who were just reporting and compliance folks that didn't see the, the broader stuff and didn't add the value or, or stick their neck out to, to make a contribution. So being around those types of people actually helped me develop into what I didn't want to do. And then when I actually saw someone who could do those things, like this gentleman, Todd Davis, I really appreciated it even more. Support for this podcast is provided by the University of California Irvine School of Law Graduate Tax Program. The Graduate Tax Program is a one-year, full-time program offered at the UC Irvine campus and is ranked as the number one graduate tax program on the West Coast. The program offers students a unique academic experience combining in-depth doctrinal work and practical perspective. All members of the founding faculty have practical experience and have significant experience teaching at other graduate programs. The program is proud of its small student-to-faculty ratio that ensures students get the attention they need to succeed in their studies and their careers. For domestic students and U.S. permanent residents, the deadline to apply is April 1st, 2020. Non-U.S. students must apply by February 1st. Apply today. Visit law.uci.edu slash gradtax. That's law.uci.edu slash gradtax. All right, so it sounds like you had some very good mentors for your career. So from the lessons you've learned from them, what have you brought to your job and your role as mentoring younger professionals? So as, as a mentor to many folks, I th- the most important thing I bring is just really the appreciation that the younger staff sees their work as intricately woven into their personal lives. And it's much more than just a technical competency that they want, but they want personal development. And to give that personal development, it's really, really important for the mentor to work on their own personal stature and their own character, because those are the people that the folks want to be inspired by. So that requires constant curiosity, self-development, reflection, meditation on what kind of leader I want to be. 
All right, so if you were with a colleague who is just beginning to think about their persona as a mentor, what's the first thing that they need to be working on? The first thing is going to sound very simple and basic, and it's just care. Just really care about the person's personal and professional development. And it sounds so basic, but it amazes me how few people do this. Again, I can count my mentors who've done this on one hand. So in your professional career as you mentor people, are you happy to see the people you've been mentoring go off to other jobs? Absolutely. In fact, I actually encourage my staff to go on one or two interviews a year, and I actually prep them for their interviews. The importance of doing that is that they stop and they just reflect on their story, because everyone has a story, but if you don't pay attention to your story, years go by, you're like, what did I do? So just the process of preparing for an interview and thinking about what you've learned and what you can provide, it's really, really important, and then going and actually doing it. Now, <laughs> there's been a couple times where that's backfired, and they've actually gotten the job. <laughs> then it flips like, why the hell would you leave? Mm-hmm. So I, I take that in, in caution, but it really is important and that people do what's best for them. And I've had people move on, and I'm very happy when that happens. Now, do you find that the younger staff have similar needs, like there's specific gaps that you're filling in their education? So I think we'll get into the book in a little bit, but what I found was there's these three key broad areas that people need help with, and that's finding and creating opportunity, communicating those opportunities up and down an organization, and executing. And those are three broad categories, but I think that's what people need the most help with because that is what's required to navigate the corporate world, and you just don't get that in school. And you often don't get that at a job if you don't have a mentor. All right, well, you mentioned your book. That would be Brass Tacks, 14 Actionable Insights to Power Your Success. Can you tell me about your book? First of all, why did you decide to write this book? So I was working at at a high-growth media company, and I had a, a very young staff, and I found that I was doing a lot of mentoring. And so I challenged myself to each week write a weekly email that shared one actionable insight. And so each week I did that, and every week I was like, how am I going to think of something to write this week? And the more I did it, the more I paid attention to life, and the more I paid attention to things that were happening around me, that I found things. And those emails created a lot of energy in the group and a lot of discussion, and it created a uh, vivacious culture that I was really happy with. So over the course of the year of doing that, I then took those insights and I just pulled them together into this book, uh, Brass Tacks. What sort of insights will we get from your book? So the book is loosely grouped into these three categories of finding and creating opportunity, communicating those opportunities, and executing. And this is a tax audience. I do want to say that when I was writing this book, I was amazed about this training that I had as a tax person that we all have as tax people that is so powerful in the larger corporate setting. And that is, you know, we're all trained how to structure transactions, how to execute those transactions with precision, and how to communicate those transactions to the staff level all the way to the board. And when I was taking uh, broader opportunities at this particular company managing other corporate functions, those skills serve me well over and over again. And then that combined with the ability to influence and inspire is really a a magical formula. So I think, you know, as tax people, we're already ahead of the game and we don't even realize that we have this skill. Now, in the process of writing the book, did you learn any lessons that you didn't have as you were coming into writing? So I love reading management books and LinkedIn, and it can become very overwhelming. All this information is coming at you. So I think the, the skill that I learned most in writing this was really curating and how powerful curating, you know, this is a tax publication and you guys are the masters of curating, but it's so important on the personal development side as well, because you know, especially with young staff, they don't know whose guidance to, to look to because there's so much coming. And so I, I think what I really developed was this ability to curate lots of interesting insights, uh, some wisdom I've received from mentors and some things that I picked up on my own and pull it together into these four actionable insights. 
All right, as we're wrapping up here today, is there one piece of wisdom that you learned that you'd like to share before we go? Yeah, I think what's really been key to my success is, is this notion that every moment we're at a crossroads and we're either adding value or we're making a positive impact or we're not. There, there is no middle ground. And what often, what I found, in, especially working with a lot of corporate executives, is the danger of ego getting in the way of putting ourselves ahead of the needs of the organization. And Glenn Cole recently was the head of tax of Amazon, gave me some very powerful advice that helped me kind of get through this. And I write about it in the book. Glenn views his job as engaging in 20 simultaneous Grand Prix races. And he told me that if it's all about him, he may win one out of 20. But when it's realized it's not about him, it's about winning all 20, he can actually win all 20 by putting the needs of the organization first. So, you know, I think if I can leave one message for managers, really, you know, take the time, care about your staff. It matters. There was an interesting recent study by Gallup where they interviewed 2 million people and they found that one third of employees are not engaged at work. And they define engagement as finding meaning and personal and professional development. And the key to all that is the manager. And successful companies have close to 70% engagement. So realize that not only are you helping the individual develop, you're also helping the bottom line of your organization because it really, really does matter. All right, Jared, thank you for being here. Thank you. And now, coming attractions. Each week, we preview commentary that will be appearing in the next issue of the Tax Notes magazines. I'm joined by Content and Acquisitions Manager, Faye McRae. Faye, what we have for us? Coming up in Tax Notes Federal, Michael Kumar and Saul Mazay support applying the statutory maximum penalty of $10,000 for non-willful FBAR violations on a per-form basis instead of a per-account basis. And Leibin Jang points out an example of a circular Internal Revenue Code reference by highlighting how it penalizes some real estate professionals, yet allows the same interest expenses to be deducted for non-real estate professionals. In Tax Notes State, Joseph Andress and Timothy Noonan discuss qualified opportunity funds and qualified opportunity zones and examine how a high-tax state, like New York, treats the deferred income tax benefit of a taxpayer who moves out of the state. Ronald Fisher and Robert Wasmer discuss how states with large tax collection revenues influence tax policy. Finally, in Tax Notes International, Mutis Hasma discusses recent changes to the definition of a permanent establishment under Luxembourg's domestic tax law and considers whether they amount to a tax treaty override. And Alan I. Appel and Anne Malley question the claim that the TCJA moved the United States from a worldwide system to a territorial one. You can read all that and a lot more in the July 15th editions of Tax Notes Federal, State, and International. That's it for this week. You can follow me online at TaxStew, that's S-T-E-W. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at taxanalyst.org. And as always, if you like what we're doing here, please leave a rating or review wherever you download this podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com backslash products. When major media wants the straight story, they turn to Tax Notes. Thank you for listening and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Analyst Inc. does not provide tax advice or tax preparation services. Nothing in the podcast constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice. A full disclaimer is included in the transcript.